0: thank you for clicking on this podcast and you're listening to retold a podcast where i review and analyze modern retellings of ancient greco-roman history and mythology i'm your host sophia and in this episode which is part two of the episode that was released right before this one um i'm going to continue talking about the trojan war last time i talked about more about the lead-up and the events that kind of allowed the trojan war to start whereas now i'm going to be talking about the actual events of the conflict Of episode one of season one, the Trojan War told, and I'll do a brief recap of part one of this episode just because um, there may be some people who took a break in between listening to these two episodes. I definitely do not think that you can skip the part two, but the part one because, um, yeah, I mean. If you, what I'm going to say is less than what the Wikipedia article will say. So, preferably, um, go listen to part one. I understand, you know, it's an hour long. Um, I understand why you might be taking a break, definitely, between these two. However, definitely, 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 if you're going to read, if you're going to listen to this one, listen to the last one because they are equal in importance um yeah because again like i said in part one of this episode i think that the events that i covered last time were although they weren't the actual bulk of the trojan war they're they're represented a lot in retellings um for example i've only watched episode one of troy fall of a city but in that episode the judgment of paris does happen um, there's a lot of different interpretation of those events because they are less, they're more, they're documented in a different way from from the, the actual Trojan War. Um, that was kind of a tangent, but um, it wasn't a tangent, but like it wasn't really something that I actually needed to say, but it's okay. Um, yeah, so today we're, I'm just going to, really just dive right in Um, obviously I'm recording this post-production so I've already recorded the following episode Um, yeah it was a fun episode um, and I really hope you enjoy Uh, yeah but again I am going to do a brief recap before we go into that Um, so basically what I went over in the last part of the the first part of this episode was that i covered the um the suitors of helen which is basically i talked about um helen who is the most beautiful woman in the world kind of her marriage uniting all of the greek kings if you want to know more about why how you can listen to part one um and then we had the birth of paris where um Hecuba and Priam, his parents, uh, got a prophecy or a dream that said that he would destroy Troy, and he was a Trojan prince. Um, And they tried to basically get rid of him, but it didn't work. And he was instead raised as a shepherd. Um, The third event that I covered was the marriage of Peleus and Thetis, um, and how. Eris um, got jealous that she wasn't invited, and uh, she basically caused chaos and um, caused three of the goddesses to fight over who was the most beautiful, and then finally the Judgment of Paris was where... The, those three goddesses all went to Paris, who, again, is still a shepherd, and basically asked him to judge which one of them was the most beautiful, and bribed him. And, eventually, and one of them, Aphrodite, had bribed him with the love of Helen, basically. And he had um, eventually reclaimed his birthright, I guess, as a Trojan prince again. If you've listened to part one again, I am very unclear on how that happened, um, but the myth, the the uh, the sources say it happened. So who am I to question them? Um, and then he eventually either kidnapped or ran away with Helen, um, and they have now gone back to Troy, and uh, the entirety of the Greek army has. Basically declared war on Troy because they were united by Helen's marriage, and they had all had a duty to um, support her marriage if if something wrong happened. And obviously, Paris kidnapping slash eloping with her was definitely something that threatened the um, her union with uh, Menelaus, who is her husband. And honestly. So far, the things I've been talking about are actually going to take up a lot more time together than the entirety of the Trojan War. Because let's face it, the Trojan War is kind of boring. It's just a really long, it's a ten-year war. There's not that much that happens in it that's interesting for the first nine years. In fact, the Iliad, which is the most famous source, is literally only starts in the ninth year and doesn't even end until it doesn't even end after, it doesn't even show the end of the Trojan War, so I'll just kind of really quick zoom through the beginning of the, the first nine years, and then kind of focus a little bit more on what the Iliad says, um, we're already getting to, like, the hour mark, I know I said I was trying to make this brief, but, um, sometimes you just can't do that, uh, so yeah, um, I might I might actually split this up into multiple parts. Um, They're both going to be releasing at the same time. You'll obviously know... um, You'll obviously know if uh, I split it up into two parts or not. But regardless. So, before we actually... I mean, okay. I I don't know if I really need to dwell on this. I think it's kind of obvious how we got from... Paris taking Helen away from Menelaus, two were at war because, you know, Paris is a Prince of Troy. Menelaus is Helen's husband and feels insulted by Paris. Um and also literally everyone in Greece has a promise to support the marriage. Um and yeah, so It kind of... I don't know if I have to spell it out or not. Basically, Agamemnon and Menelaus basically call everyone together and is like, Y'all, Paris just took away Helen. You guys all promised to support this marriage. Um... So let's go. We're going to war, baby. Um... So yeah, they... They go to war and... Yeah, they go off to Troy. Um... Troy is in Anatolia. Um... Again, like I said in the in earlier, uh, Troy isn't. It's debated whether Troy was real or not, but um, it's like across the sea from Greece, so that's why they they all go in ships. Um, yeah, and. Uh, Before we get into the actual events of the Trojan War, there's another player who is going to be really important in the Trojan War, and that, my friends, is the son of Thetis and Peleus, the people who got married at the wedding, the, you know, Thetis is the goddess, Peleus is the one who kidnapped and raped her, and then married her, um, if you don't remember, I understand, you know, attention spans are short, you know, you might be coming back to this episode after pausing, who knows, maybe I even split up the episode into two parts, um, what was I going to say? Right, so, that isn't Peleus, by now, have a son, and he is maybe, I think he's in his late teens, maybe 17 years old, Something, something around that age. And his name is a really famous one. His name is Achilles. And if you know anything about Achilles, he's a really important character. He's the main character of the Iliad. Um, and he is basically, because he's half-god, um, from, well, he's half, you know, some sort of divinity, from Thetis, he is super powerful. And you see this, like, just overall, um... People who are descended from gods are either women who are really beautiful, or they're kings, or they're heroes who are just absolutely overpowered when it comes to physical strength because of their godliness. And Achilles is definitely one of these examples. He's considered really athletic and skilled in battle because of his godly blood. Or again, you know, if you would like to see that as a nymph, which is what I see her as, divine blood, regardless. So Achilles is not one of the people who swore to support the marriage because he was way too young when Helen was, when the suitors of Helen happened. But um what happens is, like, he's going for the glory. He's not going because he has to. He's going for he's going because he wants to and actually this is really interesting and we'll talk about it definitely in some of the retellings but according to hygienists um Thetis the nereid that's achilles's mom again knew that achilles the son she had born to peleus would die if he went to attack troy and actually Thetis, Thetis really 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 wants to um to protect achilles and have him not go to troy again i don't understand i mean he's not actually bound by the by the promise so i don't really understand why she she hides him because that's what she does she hides him actually in disguise as a girl at in some lonely little island because um, i feel like she could have just refused but he doesn't refuse they find him eventually and eventually achilles joins the the greek army and again i really don't understand why because he could have just not maybe i i suspect that achilles just wanted the wanted the glory um and he didn't want to listen to his mom anymore which i guess makes sense um regardless of how that happened achilles joins and he's absolutely a murder machine he is once they get to troy and the surrounding cities he is absolutely just slaughtering people by the dozens dozens a day um or at least you know like at least five a day he's he's basically ransacking entire cities by himself obviously he's brought his he's a prince so he's brought his like army with him but he is really what makes the Greek army so powerful, and they, because of him, they just bulldoze through the towns surrounding Troy. Um, and in the first few years of the war, they, again, they attack the cities around Troy, the smaller, less powerful cities who have really strong ties with Troy. And two of the really famous ones are Thebe and Lernesus. Thebe is actually the princess of th- the the king of Thebe was the father to the wife of the first son of Priam and Hecuba. And if you'll remember Priam and Hecuba were the king and queen of Troy and their son, their first son, their the the crown prince basically is a dude named hector and he's kind of the achilles of the trojans but he's definitely not as powerful because he's just a mortal. actually some people say he's the god of he's the son of apollo but i personally definitely don't believe that because in the iliad he's far less powerful than um than achilles and a kill and apollo is definitely a more powerful god than thetis so i don't believe that and also like that's most, 99% of the sources say that he's Priam's son, so we're just going to go with that version. Um, and Priam's son, again, Hector, his wife, Andromache, is from Thebe, and that's kind of why Thebe is important. Her entire family is slaughtered by Achilles, except for, in some stories, one brother. And, because she has, like, eight brothers or something, um, her dad is also killed. Um, in some versions, her mom dies later, in some versions, she, um, comes to Troy, but regardless. Um, so yeah, he's basically, Achilles, again, is just murdering people left, right, center, everywhere. Um, and Lernesus is another city where, and the only reason really Lernesus is important is because the queen Briseis is taken as Achilles' prize of honor. And prizes of honor were basically in the Iliad. Prizes of honor is base, Prize of honor is a euphemism, basically, for a king's most important sex slave. Um, because when they attacked these cities around Troy, they would basically murder all the men and then they would take all the women as slaves. And the most important women, as well as the most beautiful women, I mean they had like a hierarchy for how valuable the women were compared, based on a variety of factors. And this is definitely something that actually happened in ancient times, even outside of Greece and Rome. Um, you would take prisoners of war, specifically women. I, I mean, in ancient times, typically not all the men would be slaughtered. They would eat. They would usually also be taken as slaves. Um, but at least in Rome, uh, that's really my 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 real. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. That's really what I'm basing this. This this off of, but um, Ro- in Rome they would take like mostly everyone as slaves. But the Greeks did not want to leave a single Trojan alive, or anyone who was allied to them, or even just around them. They murdered every man in in that area of that that piece that chunk of land. They murdered every man they could find, and they took every single woman as a, a slave, and the more important ones, the more valuable ones, specifically, former members of the, former nobles, or aristocrats, or royals, they would take, those would be the most valuable, and the kings would be able to choose, from the most valuable ones, um, to choose one to be their sex slave, basically, and that was a symbol of their honor, and a symbol of how, well they did in battle, their 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 impressive feats as warriors basically that would be their reward that would be their 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 honor and their their might just basically personified would be their prizes of honor and this is really important because in the ninth year of the war they've already gone to troy they've murdered they've they've destroyed all the cities near troy and there are they're at the Tro- trojan gates and during the ninth year what happens is that agamemnon also has a prize of honor and her name is Chryseis. and if you before you ask me why um before you ask me why Chryseis and chrysays sound so similar I know it's confusing, but it's because um, they're both patronymics, so a patronymic, for anyone who doesn't know, is basically a name that would indicate what your father's name was. Um, I believe they definitely, uh, Russians definitely use these, um, as far as I know, Um, they, like nowadays in Russia they use them as, basically the middle name is a patronymic. yeah in the iliad they actually use patronymics a lot for the kings so for example diomedes um he is a king and he is often called Tidides because his dad was named tydeus so Tidides is like the the patronymic of tydeus because he's the son of tydeus and achilles you know he's the son of peleus or peleus or whatever so he would be called Pelides or Peliades, um, yeah, and you can see this a lot in the Iliad and also other epics, uh, yeah. That was just an interesting tidbit that I thought that again I thought it was interesting. Um, so then. Well, yeah. So that's that's kind of the setup. They both have prizes of honors. Agamemnon's is Chryseis, and remember, Agamemnon is the leader of the Greeks. I don't remember if I actually mentioned this, but he's the leader of all the Greeks because he's the king of Mycenae, which is the most powerful Greek city-state. Um, and Agamemnon's prize of honor is Chryseis. Achilles's is Briseis, and what happens is that Criseus' dad is one of the few men still alive because he is a priest. He's a priest of Apollo, more specifically. Um, And Apollo was really into the Trojans. He hated the Greeks. He was really into the Trojans. Um, Don't really know why, but he was. um, He loved them. And actually, the gods would really the gods did this a lot a lot of the gods did this during the trojan war they would pick sides for example aphrodite because paris had chosen her as the most beautiful was on the trojan side um athena and hera were on the greek side because they had been over passed over in that in the when paris had been choosing that oh and by the way i don't think i ever mentioned that but that event where paris chose between the three of them was called the judgment of paris um yeah so every god that chose sides really normally they kind of had a reason for choosing their side i don't really know what apollo's reasoning would be i know Ares chose the trojans because he was into aphrodite um poseidon chose them because he and apollo had actually um they had been they had built troy's walls and i think they talk about this in the iliad they Poseidon and Apollo had built Troy's walls as a punishment from Zeus because they had tried to overthrow him. And the Trojans did not reward Poseidon for his work. And basically what happened was he got mad and he sent a sea serpent. And Troy had to sacrifice one of their princesses um and she was eventually rescued by heracles and became someone's wife um sound familiar that's because it is it's basically the exact same story as andromeda and perseus which we will get to again we'll get to like i said perseus he's coming up in a future season this is all to say i don't really understand why apollo was on the trojan side because he was also one of those people who built the trojan walls and he also and he didn't have any re- really reason to not, to not like the Greeks. Again, I don't really understand, but he was really into the Trojans. So, yeah. Um, and Chryses is Chryses' father's name, and he was the priest of Apollo. So he asked Agamemnon to give Chryses back, and he brought um, all this stuff. He brought all the... He brought, like, gold and stuff and riches and money to ransom as a ransom for crises But it wasn't enough for Agamemnon because, um, for whatever reason, he doesn't want to give up his property. His quote-unquote property. Um, so, Agamemnon was like, get out of my camp or else I will murder you. And Crises obviously, he's, like, an old dude. He books it because he does not want to be murdered by This army of Greeks But he also definitely doesn't want to leave His daughter to be a sex slave So what he does Against her will obviously So he prays to Apollo And he's like Apollo dude I need a favor I've been your loyal priest for so long If ever I You know Honored you Please Avenge me um make this right help me out here um and apollo does uh according to the iliad um his silver bow rang death as he shot his arrow in the midst of him first he smote his mu- their mules and their hounds but presently he aimed his shafts at the people themselves and all day long the pyres of the dead were burning so yeah this devastated the greeks and by the way if you hear just that passage it sounds like apollo is literally shooting arrows at them and those are killing them but that's not really why they were dying apollo is the god of a lot of things i probably should have mentioned this but he's the god of a lot of things among he's the god of archery prophecy music truth light um poetry um what more the sun, medicine, but he's also the god of plague, and he was said to be able to um, basically cause plagues by shooting people with arrows, and that would bring plague to the, to their populations, basically. And obvious, we also know that it was definitely a plague because um, later, Achilles is talking about it and says, take away the plague, so that's, you know, it is a plague. Just, yeah, just trust me on that. It's a plague. Um, and again, this just absolutely rocks the Greek's world. Not in a good way. Um, they have no idea what to do. Um, and eventually, Achilles speaks up to Agamemnon. And they've got this, like, weird little rivalry going on already. And Achilles is like, Agamemnon maybe we should ask um someone why we're being set upon by this plague personally i think it's obvious but i guess not because achilles is like how about we ask this prophet dude this seer um why apollo is mad at us and again i thought that was obvious but maybe it's because agamemnon is refuses to acknowledge it but this dude, the priest, or not the priest, the seer, the, uh, the prophet is like, dude, it's because of crusades. I didn't think, honestly, this guy might even just be a fake. This guy might be a scammer. This guy might be a fake psychic or whatever, because I could have told you that. Um, but regardless, um, Regardless, uh, the priest or the the seer tells Agamemnon, "Hey, it's because you dishonored his priest. You um, did not give her. You didn't give his daughter back. So that's why Apollo is mad. So you've got to give her back, and you've got to also do give a sacrifice to Apollo. So they do the sacrifice to Apollo, but Agamemnon does not want to give." Crusade is back. Eventually, he has to because you know the seer just told him he had to. But he's like, I don't have a prize of honor anymore. Obviously, I need one. What would I do without a prize of honor? Um, so, actually, now that I don't have mine, why don't you, Achilles, give you give mine give yours to me? Um, because I don't have one anymore. So obviously, I should just take yours, right? And Achilles is like what, no, no, you can't do that, you can't do that, and Agamemnon's, well, like, well, then what do you want me to do, Uh, I can't go without a prize of honor, and Achilles is just like, whatever, dude, I can't even stop you, you're like my boss, just go ahead and take her, but rest assured, I will be not, I will, you'll pay for this, because you know what I'm gonna do, that murder machine, I'm your murder machine, And you've just made me mad, and suddenly your murder machine is gone. You're going to have to murder by yourself. That's right. Um, I'm not fighting anymore. So Achilles promises, he swears, he vows in anger that he is going to, he's never going to basically fight for Agamemnon again. (laughs) Um, And this presents a problem because the Greeks, that, The Greeks really suffer from this because I guess they're basically nothing without Achilles. I mean, they're not like they don't get decimated within the first day, but they are losing the battle. As soon as Achilles quits, the Trojans are at basically at their camp after a few after a while. The loss of Achilles really, really dealt a blow to the Greeks. And bolstered the Trojans. I mean, not surprisingly. I mean, Achilles was considered the greatest warrior of his generation. Maybe of all time. Um, Maybe except for Heracles. But they obviously feared him. And he was... (laughs) Rightfully. I mean, he was murdering people left and right. But without him, the murdering wasn't as efficient. And instead, the Greeks were getting murdered. So, yeah. Basically, what... I mean, the Greeks... The Trojans were at the Greeks' camps. Like, the Trojans were about to burn the Greeks' ships. And in the middle of this, Achilles is just sitting in his tent, sitting pretty, twiddling his thumbs, because he refuses. He refuses to... um, He refuses to fight, because he's been slighted by Agamemnon. His honor has been destroyed and even after agamemnon gives briseis back and offers all these things to achilles in return for him returning to the fight achilles refuses he's promised that he'll never he'll never he's promised that he'll never go back to the battle um, but luckily achilles has this friend friend as in boyfriend but <laughs> Achilles has this person in his camp um, and he, his name is Patroclus and he, in the Iliad he's not explicitly his lover but definitely in a lot of other sources he is um, there's also there's also a lot of I would say like queer coding in the um, Iliad about them too like you can definitely get a homoerotic reading from the Iliad but you can also really it's up for interpretation in the Iliad it's more explicit and from a lot of other authors but in the Iliad it is definitely not explicit but yeah so Achilles again refuses to fight because he's said that he won't um Basically, he's basically he said he promised that he would never fight for Agamemnon ever again, he would only fight when the Trojans reached his camp, which they haven't yet. But Patroclus is basically he sees all the other Greeks getting murdered, getting slaughtered by the Trojans, and Patroclus goes to Achilles and basically begs him to help the other Greeks. And Achilles is like, I'm not gonna help the Greeks. I told, I swore that I wouldn't unless the Trojans attack me. But you know what? You know who can, who can attack the Greeks? You can attack the Greeks. So why don't you um, put on my armor, and lead our entire army into war with the Trojans again? Because I guess we're rejoining this fight. And I will say that this does actually make sense because. Um, you know, the Trojans not- Achilles' armor is really distinctive, and if the, the Trojans are really bold emboldened by the fact that Achilles has refused to fight, um, it could, that could be another reason for why the Trojans are really winning, not just because they're so much better. It's not necessarily that the Greeks are just useless without Achilles, it could also just be that the Greek morale is really down because of this whole- sh- these shenanigans that their kings are pulling- um, basically toying with their lives over what because one of them took their quote unquote property which ni- which belong- who belongs to neither of them um, but anyway yeah so the Greek morale definitely was probably really down and the Trojans were probably ecstatic to see that the bane of their existence was ba- off the battlefield um, so it does make sense But also, like, it does make sense for Achilles to tell Patroclus to put on his armor. But at the same time, you know that if Patroclus puts on his armor, puts on your armor, then he's going to get targeted as if he were you. And he, Patroclus isn't a bad fighter, but he's not as good as you. But again, he's not bad. So he puts on his arm, he puts on Achilles' armor, and he leads the the their army into battle against the Trojans they re-enter the fray um, and Patroclus is doing well he's he is becoming that murder machine. he is living his best life. Um, he's murdering left, right center, everywhere um, and he and actually Achilles pr- made him promise not to fight for too long just to drive them drive the Trojans away from his ships from the ships. But Patroclus basically gets drunk on the fact that he's doing so well. He's murdering so many people. And he basically, he drives the Trojans back almost all the way to their walls. And this turns out to be a mistake because he gets murdered by Hector. Actually, he gets wounded by some random other man, but he gets murdered fully by Hector, which that's the important part um, the killing blow is dealt by Hector, because they all think he's Achilles, even if he wasn't Achilles, like, it's normal to kill others, I mean, you're the one who's killing, he's being a murder machine, so, like, I've, this is, I feel like some people make Hector a villain by killing Patroclus, but, like, this is war, guys, and Patroclus is murdering Trojans left, right, and center, like I've said three times, Hector, even if he knew that Patroclus was Patroclus and not Achilles, like he was fully, I I believe that he was fully within his rights to kill Patroclus. Okay, this is going past the original story, but I'm just gonna. We can't, we can't forget that the Trojans. This is what they're what the Trojans are doing right now. They're defending their home land because do you know what's gonna happen if if troy loses their men 100% murdered women 100% taken into slavery probably a lot of them will be sexually assaulted a lot of them will be sex slaves for the rest of their lives what happens if the greeks lose all the people who came are probably going to get slaughtered. Everyone, but every everything in their lives, besides their own bodies, is back home safe. Their, their wives, their children, their entire kingdoms are back in Greece. They're not in any danger. They're the ones who came to Troy. They're the ones who started this war. Yeah, you can say that Paris and Helen started this war, but that's not, that's not relevant, I mean, really, like, you're telling me that, you're telling me that all of, literally, an entire city should be destroyed because of one prince kidnapping some princess, or some queen, that's ridiculous, that, When we're talking about morality, that's just ridiculous. And, again, it could be that Helen went willingly. So, in that case, it's like... Menelaus, you have no right to do this. No one asked you to do this. Helen didn't ask you to do this. Stay home. It's just so annoying. Like, I don't... And they're all... Okay, this... (laughs) You re- remember if you if you've listened to the announcement episode you heard me talking about how there are a lot of people who haven't read the the original sources haven't heard the original story and just go off of the retellings i feel like a lot of those people villainize the trojans not a lot i think most people are pretty reasonable in this in this fandom but some people villainize the trojans and really really glorify achilles And it's just like, do you know what this man did? Do you know what the Trojans did? The Trojans, Hector killed one guy, and he thought that it would save his city. He thought that it would save his people, himself, his own life, um, his wife, his son, his entire family. That's what, I mean... (sighs) Honestly, Hector did nothing wrong. And I don't think most people villainize Hector necessarily, but there are some... I've heard some people do it. And it's just, like, shocking to me that anyone would even think to do that. To say that Achilles is better than Hector, that's just... That's insane to me. That's insanity. And even to say that Patroclus is necessarily a good person, that's... That's funny to me. Honestly, That's funny. Because, I mean, I do think that Patroclus is someone who humanizes Achilles, especially in the retellings that we see. But in the Iliad, Patroclus, and yeah, he cares for the Greeks. He cares for the Greeks, and he has sympathy for the other Greeks, whereas Achilles definitely does not. But when it comes to morality, do we see Patroclus as... Being a perfect moral person? No, definitely not. He's murdering people, left, right, and center. Again, he could have pulled back. He didn't. He got drunk on blood. That's that's not something that I believe should be I don't I mean, again, Patroclus is better obviously I don't think Patroclus was evil. He's actually better than he's better than most of the Greeks. I mean yeah, but that's not a that's not a high bar. Um I don't think that we should glorify Patroclus and Achilles. This is so off topic and I should probably I should probably talk about this on on a retelling episode. But I feel like a lot of people see Patroclus and Achilles specifically because of retellings as these perfect people. Maybe not Achilles, but they definitely see Patroclus as this perfect kind of person and he's not. He's He's not bad, he's not worse than anyone else, but he's definitely not good. That's all I had to say. (laughs) Um, I kind of feel like I can really articulate my thoughts correctly. Obviously it's war, a lot of people are, I mean, this is just the culture they were raised in. I'm not condemning anyone or saying that Patroclus is bad, or that saying liking Patroclus is bad. I'm just saying that maybe we should shy away from the concept that Patroclus is this perfect person um anyway so patroclus is murdered by hector he's dead and achilles is so grieved by the death of his quote-unquote friend that he that once that the day after patroclus is brought back his dead body is brought back to the greek's he goes on a murder spree. He does not care about his oath. He's murdering... If if he was a murder machine now, before, he's... He's a massacre machine now. He is... He's just... I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. He's murdering so many people. Um, and he brutally murders... Well, actually, I guess the murder itself wasn't that brutal. He murders Hector, too. He brutally defaces and um, disrespects his corpse by dragging it around in his chariot. Um, But eventually, Hector's dad comes to Achilles to beg for his son's corpse to bury him. And I guess Achilles accepts that like he gives hector's body back to priam because um apparently he reminds him of his dad Peleus, which is like what similarity do they have they're both old and they're both kings and they're both i guess they both start with p but other than that like what similarity i don't see i don't see the similarity here but regardless achilles gives hector's body back um the trojans bury hector on his home, home homeland and on trojan soil and that is the end of the iliad that's where the iliad ends hector's funeral yeah i don't know how long that is maybe like a few months max in the war but like i just think it's funny how like the Iliad is our main source for a lot of the Trojan War, but it's just, like, funny how, like, it just covers, like, this tiny fraction of what the war actually was. Um, yeah. That's kind of the most important, that's kind of where, that's kind of the climax. The climax was Achilles murdering Hector, I think. Um, now is the falling action Um, Achilles gets he, he dies eventually um shot down by Paris I don't really see why Paris hadn't done this before but I don't know um he dies and yeah they just keep battling it out for like another year or something and, eventually, everyone is just tired. Someone needs... There's This war has been gone, going on for so long. Even after Achilles and Hector are both dead, it's still going. It's They're still at an impasse. So, Odysseus comes with, up with this master plan. And, I'll just read... Um, a passage from the Aeneid for you, and this is a, this was a Roman epic by the poet Virg, oh, by the way, the Iliad is our old, is one of the oldest texts we ever had. I probably should have described the Iliad before just citing it, but the Iliad is, uh, is an epic poem attributed to Homer, who, which is literally one of the most ancient texts we have surviving. Um, Back to the Aeneid. The Aeneid is way newer. Oh, the Iliad's from, like, the 7th century BC or something. Um, The Aeneid is from the 1st century AD, or maybe it's the 1st century BC. In... I don't remember. It's near that time period, and the only reason... The the only thing I know is that he wrote it during um, Augustus' reign in the uh, Roman Empire. So, that's, like... uh, late early 30s B.C. to when did did Tiberius come to power? I don't remember. to I guess early 20s A.D.? late 10s A.D.? something like that so basically very early 1st century A.D. or maybe 1st century B.C. I don't I don't know the exact date um, I should probably have looked that up, but I didn't. Um, so, yeah, I'll just read you that quote. After many years. Oh, by the way, you might be wondering what is the Aeneid have to do with the uh, with Troy? It doesn't really have much to do with Troy. It's the Aeneid is basically Augustus's version of. Well, actually, I don't know what you could compare this to. The Aeneid is basically Augustus's a piece of Augustan propaganda. Which helped Augustus have a more legitimate. um, It basically allowed Augustus to to trace back his ancestry all the way to the goddess Venus, Um, and it kind of cement. It kind of echoes the divine right to rule thing that comes up later in European history and also in a lot of other cultures around the world um anyway so in the aeneid what happens is basically some uh, some trojan prince aeneas escapes from troy and he goes off to italy and then eventually his descendants found rome um yeah so anyway Let me just read this. After many years have slipped by, the leaders of the Greeks build a horse of mountainous size through Palaces' divine art, Palaces' Athena. They pretend it's a votive offering. This rumor spreads. They secretly hide a picked body of men, chosen by lot there in the dark body, filling the belly and the huge cavernous insides with armed warriors. So basically, this is describing the trojan horse which you might have heard of it's the origin story of um the famous saying don't look a gift horse in the mouth which is actually very not not in line with the myth because what happens is that odysseus comes up with this master plan where they'll look like they'll make it look like they're retreating and then they leave a huge wooden horse behind Um, And the Trojans will basically think it's an offering to the gods and also to the Trojans as like a peace offering and also to the gods. I don't really know how those two relate to each other, but whatever. Um, So they leave it there and they fill it. Well, the Trojans take it inside their walls. um, And then it turns out that the Trojan horse is actually hollow and it's filled with a bunch of greek soldiers and it turns out you know those all those ships that left they're just around the corner the trojans just couldn't see them because they were like hidden or whatever so the greek soldiers inside the trojan horse come out of the horse they open the gates of troy the the greek ships come back and you know that's how troy falls they get inside those walls and it's over um and again it's it's kind of weird to me the gift horse in the mouth saying doesn't really make sense because if you think about it it's like you should look a gift horse in the mouth so then you know if there's someone inside but it's another example of an english phrase just completely being used incorrect a completely weird and incorrect english phrase that Somehow it relates to something, but doesn't actually make sense given the context. <laughs> There's a lot of examples of those, but... Actually, fun fact, you know the, um, the blood is thicker than water saying? That saying actually is, apparently, I read somewhere, I don't know if this is actually correct, but I read somewhere that the original saying is that the blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the... I don't remember what that was But basically it was saying that, you know Like, if the covenant is like Chosen brothers You know, like, religious Things Like The, basically the Bond you have with fellow People of your religion Is like, more powerful than Your actual familial bonds I don't know if that's true I just read that somewhere on the internet Please tell me if it is Um, by email me by emailing me and i think that's a good segue and just that's all i had to say so that's a good segue into my contact information um my email is retoldthepodcast at gmail.com my website uh which is where you can find all these episodes as well as links to all my contacts um as well as just it's just you know it's just the stuff that's normally on a website um that's retoldpod.card with two Rs.co. co my instagram is retoldpod my story graph is retoldpod my curious cat is retoldpod those links will all be in the description and also at my website um yeah also if you want to subscribe to my patreon for only two dollars a month you can do that you can get tons of exclusive benefits um early access uh, tons of exclusive content it's just gonna be awesome over there so please 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 consider subscribing um, if you enjoyed this podcast and I really hope you did enjoy this podcast um thank you for listening this was this was really fun for me I hope it was just as fun for you um yeah I'm really excited for the when I start to actually get into the retellings which you know is the point of this podcast um next, next episode i'll be covering the song of achilles and that will be coming out in two weeks for normal for regular feed listeners and in one week for patreon listeners so thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode and i hope you're looking forward to the rest of this season and the future of this podcast in general just as much as i am Um, please don't hesitate to contact me through those links that I mentioned earlier. Um, if you can't subscribe to my Patreon, the best, the second best way to support it is to share with others. In fact, this is probably even better than subscribing to the Patreon. Please, please recommend my podcast to others if you enjoyed it. Um, and leave a review somewhere, whether that be on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you, um, Wherever you listen to this podcast, rate and review. That really helps with analytics and stuff. And yeah, so I think that's all I had for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. This has been retold and I will see you in the next one.